Oh, yeah. And if you let your boy BC digress for a second, I got something new to tell you about. How about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe, right? How about a vehicle equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family? And if you're looking for features, the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has you covered, like available H-Trek all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some of that mud. And with standard third-row seating, you can make sure the whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads make sure no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Make sure you can worry less about the rugged terrain to come. Want to learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Head on over to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's a 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Hi there. How are you doing? It's the 16th of May, 2023. It's time for some instant reaction. Some, well, it, the news broke, I guess, a couple of hours ago, a few hours ago at this point, but we want to react to it as best we could. A couple of introductions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Morning Combats. I would say supplementary, complimentary program. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm, of course, just one half of your hosting duo. I'm in Washington, D.C. Brian Campbell is being lazy today and didn't want to contribute on his day off. Also, my day off, Brian. What do you think about that? Okay, neither here nor there. We have a lot to get to today. So here's what we're going to talk about. Um, I know that Francis Ngannou was going to speak later today, I believe with Ariel Hawani on his program on MMA fighting, but the news is basically already out. New York Times broke it first. We have some already updated supplemental coverage, which I want to get to, but Francis Ngannou has signed with the PFL. That is now official. At this point, I can only discuss the details that have been made public, but they're already pretty big. So here's the deal. You have to understand it in three different parts. There are sort of three prongs to the deal, as best I can tell. Number one, Francis is going to be fighting exclusively in the PFL's, what they call, pay-per-view super fight division. Now, the catch to that is that won't start until mid-2024. I want to get to some of the good things about this deal and some of the bad things about this deal um, but for now, let me sort of state the terms. So that is the first part. He'll be fighting on pay-per-view beginning in 2024 for the PFL in what they call their super fight division. Number two, Francis ha- it will now sit as the first active fighter on what they call the PFL's Global Advisory Board, which represents the interests of other active fighters. I guess there are retired fighters on that board. He would represent the first of them who's active. And then last but not least, and this is to be actually one of the more interesting pieces, Uh, Francis will become an equity, a minority equity owner and chairman for PFL Africa. You might recall PFL launched a sort of subsidiary brand on a more sort of regional level with PFL Europe. Dan Hardy is heading those efforts. This is going to be something similar to that with PFL Africa, where they're going to identify and sign talent ostensibly. I think they want to start hosting events there. And then actually PFL said something pretty interesting uh, related to that. Namely, they want to have a what they call the Champions League uh, of of MMA, where the best in PFL Africa fight the best. I'm, I'm assuming of what will eventually be PFL Asia, PFL Europe, and so on. And then there, you know, would be some kind of tournament, a la what you see with the the Champions League. Of course, is the best club teams in Europe who play. All right, there's a lot to get to. So, welcome. That's the that, that's the big three piece overview of it. I want to talk about each of those deals. What it says about Francis what it says about UFC, what it says about PFL as well, for better or for worse, and I do think there's both of those to be had here. 
first let's do this thumbs up on the video if you're here thank you so much hit that subscribe button if you're here thank you so much let's do this part the ufc excuse me the pfl put out a promotional asset kind of announcing this deal with francis uh rubbing elbows with essentially pfl brass and kind of this sort of like announcement video about how big it is and why it's important. Let's take a look at that from their perspective, and then I want to show you what we know about this deal. Hit it, Mikey. No one has ever been in his position. Heavyweight champ walks away. We don't know the end result. He could sign tomorrow for the most money anybody's ever signed for in fighting history. Francis Ngannou is the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, and so we'll see what he does. I chose the PFL out of everyone in order to change the game of MMA. For whoever feel ready, I'm the baddest mother on the planet. I'll be fighting in the pay-per-view Super Fight Division. It has always been my goal to control my own destiny. When somebody feels respect, you get the best out of the person. The reason why I signed with the PFL is because of their willing to develop the sport. Most importantly, in Africa, I stand for my people, for my community. I fight for them. And to get something like this to bring back home is like a huge accomplishment. Along with the PFL, now that I'm in the position to speak, to fight for those who doesn't have a voice, because at the end of the day, it's fighter first. Fighter is the one doing the sport. At the end of every accomplishment, there's another challenge. That's how you build your own legacy. All right. By the way, I like the little predator trilling that they put at the end of his things. That's actually pretty cool. Um, but you get the idea. Hold on, let me pull this back up here. Okay. All right. So... Broad overview, right? He's going to sit on the Global Advisory Board, a, uh, a minority equity owner and um, chairman of PFL Africa, and he's going to fight in the PFL's pay-per-view division. So here's what I want to know from you before we move forward. In the comments right now, give me a sense about how you feel about this deal. Of course, we don't know everything. In fact, there's a lot we don't know, but it's at least worth getting your sense of things. Are you happy with this? Are you satisfied? Or are you simply saying, I don't really know enough yet? I feel strongly this way. I feel badly this way. You tell me right now, what is your sense about this deal, this arrangement, how it makes you feel as a fan? Of course, your voice is, is important. That's who ultimately the PFL is trying to please. So let me know what you think about this in the comments. Okay, let's go over a few extra details if we can. I've got four links here, uh, well, actually three links up here. I've got the press release itself. I've got an article from John Nash and Bloody Elbow, which gives some key details. And then, of course, the New York Times report that initially broke the story to begin with. If we can put that up here, Mikey, I want to show you something here. Let's go th first through this one as we kill off these ads. By the way, I mean, Bloody Elbow just <laughs> leaning into that stuff. Uh, okay. This is what, I, and by the way, just the ads, just the worst ads ever. Here, let me blow this up a little bit so you can see it. There we go. Okay, and I'm going to try and keep that out. All right, this I thought was super, super interesting. So this is what John Nash calls some noteworthy additional features of Francis Ngannou's deal. I'm going to read you what he has. It's for only two or three fights. So at max, it's a three-fight deal. Number two, guarantees a high seven-figure purse for each fight. Three, 
a split of the event's net profits. So if they make something off the gate, if they make something off concessions, if they make something off whatever, he gets a, a check from that as well. Uh, a signing bonus or salary to serve as a brand ambassador for the PFL. So even when he's not fighting, he's either getting paid on a regular basis or he got paid up front to do that work independent of anything else. Uh, number five, the right to have his own sponsors in the cage. One only knows how lucrative that could be. Six, non-exclusive with regards to boxing. So he can box, no problem, if he wants. Seven, no champion's clause or other extensions. And then uh, last but not least, and I think this is pretty interesting, a minimum salary, possibly as high as $1 million for his opponents now there's one extra detail that i want to read here very quickly that john nash provided me saying this is this is what he writes quote i'm going to read it out loud it is therefore very likely that this ufc offer would have paid more over those three fights than his new pfl deal will as the jones fight would have potentially paid him more than 10 million once his pay-per-view bonus was added and sold as well as most people in the industry assume it would that is it would have paid more as long as he fought jones and did not lose the title during those three fights for a three-fight deal, right? So we'd have to go undefeated. He would make more in that case. However, what John Nash notes is, quote, what the UFC contract did not do is allow for Nganu to box if the opportunity presented itself, nor would it allow him to cultivate his own sponsors by allowing him to promote them in the cage. It also contained a champion's clause that would have added more fights to the deal, deal if he had retained the title. The PFL deal clearly offers more of the freedom and protections that Nganu has been asking for himself. Okay, so that's something I want you guys to know. Here is the look at the look at the website for the PFL. They've got all this. I mean, they they blew it out the frame here, so to speak, to get everyone ready for this. Um, they're calling it the most expansive and valuable athlete signing in MMA history. You guys know the other parts. We've kind of already mentioned them. Um, this is what they say about the PFL Global Advisory Board has been established for the league to closely corroborate with the greatest athletes and minds in the sport of MMA to ensure the PFL stays focused on its fighters' first mission combined with recruiting and developing future global champions. As part of the strategic partnership with the PFL, Nganu will serve in a leadership role on the PFL Global Advisory Board, making him the first active fighter to serve on the board and represent fighters' interests. And of course, they go on to say something here, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, this I thought was cool. PFL has an expansive plan to become the first true global league in sports with international regional leagues spanning all continents, said PFL founder and chairman Don Davis. PFL Europe's launch in 2023 has been a huge success, and we will have six more PFL international leagues operating by 2026 to form the first-ever Champions League of MMA to spark national pride and determine the actual best in the world via PFL sports season format of win and advance meritocracy. And then it goes on from there. This is the official site. Same thing. There's the Doom Bay signing. This is the open first page here. I wonder if more information. What do you get there? Let's see. Oh, I'm not signing up for the newsletter yet. No, thanks. And then last but not least, here is the New York Times article, um, which features Francis right here in the cage, written by Emmanuel Morgan, who covers MMA and um, NFL for the New York Times. I've, I've met this gentleman. Uh, he is a great reporter, a smart guy. And um, this is sort of like, he doesn't cover a ton of MMA for the New York Times. I think most of his work by far is NFL. But if they have a combat sports reporter, and they do, of course, it's this guy. So that if you don't know who he is, Emmanuel Morgan is the guy you're looking for. 
And uh, there's just a couple of quotes in here that I thought was kind of interesting that I wanted to go through if we can. Um, These past few months, Francis says, have been an interesting time to understand and see the landscape, but I'm very excited about this deal with the PFL because it showed what I was expecting. They didn't just show up as a promotion looking for a fighter, but really came as a partner that sees more value in you as a person. Of course, they mentioned Jake Paul has signed with PFL as well. They mentioned Kayla Harrison a number of times in this article, which is interesting because I don't think she's long for this organization, but we shall see. They quote Dana saying, you know, Francis wanted lesser competition, but of note, they didn't get a fresh quote from Dana. I don't know if the UFC refused to speak or they didn't ask him, but they only had an old quote. They, By the way, in the New York Times, fighters earn less than 20% of total revenue, talking about the UFC, which includes pay-per-view sales and other sources of cash flow, like ticket sales and sponsorships. In the NFL, where athletes have unionized, for example, players receive roughly 50% of league revenue. If you're wondering why they put this story in the New York Times, this is why. is because they get information like this to the public, to opinion leaders. That's what they call the people who read the New York Times, whether you like it or not. They're called opinion leaders. They want to get this information out in front of them. So that's part of the reason why it got leaked to or given to the New York Times as it did. They mentioned one championship here. Um, I want to point something out here. Nganu said he engaged in advanced talks with only one other promotion, the Singapore-based one championship, though executives for Bare Knuckle Championship and Bellator said they had exploratory conversations with Nganu. Pretty, pretty amazing that Singapore-based one championship was ahead of BKFC and Bellator. That's kind of, I guess it's not surprising. We'll talk about that in just a second. And uh, he says, um, you know, this was more than just a, a, a matter of financial considerations. And then, of course, PF, Murray, uh, Murray from the PFL says, this is not an athlete deal. Francis is an icon of the sport, blah, blah, blah. We're in business together. Okay, I believe there's not much more. Oh, here we go. So listen to this. For the PFL Africa thing, Nganu said he saw Cameroon, Nigeria, Senegal, and South Africa as early targets for PFL Africa. Um with events hoping to take place in 2025. In the meantime, he said he would uh, like to have a boxing match this year before fighting again in mixed martial arts. They talk about the pay-per-view prices and blah, blah, blah. And then last but not least, he says the following. When people don't understand you, what you're doing, obviously there's a lot of criticism. But when you're confident and certain of what you're doing and where you're going and aware of achievement, you just have to be patient and welcome the time everybody sees it. Okay, that's enough, Mikey. You get the idea. This is a broad overview of the information that we have at this point. So how do I feel about it? Again, I've asked you to give information how you feel about it in the comments, or you can, of course, hit us up on social media. This is what I think about it. This is clearly an excellent deal for Francis. As John Nash points out, the way the pay-per-view structure and pay system works in the UFC, had he fought Jones and won, and then, of course, had two more fights and won them, yes, he would make more money. So in terms of the total possible amount allotted on the fight pay, uh, it's not fair to say that the PFL contract is the most lucrative. It appears that that is not the case. However, it still is quite lucrative. It's at least comparable or at least in the same ballpark from what we know. And more to the point, because he can make money off sponsorships and he's going to be having a, salary, a signing bonus, potentially a salary and other mechanisms of uh, earning event pay based on shared revenue, it's possible he could end up making a pretty comparable amount. And maybe in total, when you count sponsorships and everything else, maybe even more in the end. But again, 
it, it would be roughly the same, or at least you know these are these are roughly comparable um, uh, deals when it comes to that. But of course, there's so much more involved in here. He can go now box. He doesn't have a champions clause. He doesn't have a long term deal. Um, he's got an enormous amount of flexibility. Let me state this outright. A two or three fight deal that offers you that in MMA is basically unheard of. I mean, Brock's probably gotten something like that, and even really not that. Not that much money plus that much flexibility plus that much, uh, I'm going to call it front office slash corporate involvement, integration, and otherwise having a say. This contract is highly unique, uh, frankly, historic in certain ways. And for Francis, a clear home run. I, I, I just, it would be hard to imagine. I don't think Bellator could have given him an offer like this. Once you see now what PFL is laying out, I think it's fair to say one more time, BKFC could never have afforded him. I think one could have afforded him in certain ways, but just given what he wants to do, it looks like, I don't know if one would have been the right partner, right? So for a couple of reasons, they probably could have given him a pretty big purse. I think that part is probably true, but if you just look at what PFL is going to do in terms of this broader international outreach, how much of that is like Francis wagging the dog, I don't really know, but you know, this idea of we're going to PFL Europe and we're going to open up all these other markets and we're going to have PFL Africa up and running by 2025, that was never going to be on one championship's radar. And I think for those reasons, it would be a problem. Who knows what other flexible terms about your opponent getting another million dollars on top of it about, you know, again, exclusivity and he can box and all this other stuff. It's hard to know what one would have been able to do in that space. But again, just talking about pay-per-view in the United States, PFL has certainly got its work cut out for it, but it's even that far ahead of one in this market. So that is a place that could have given him a competitive wage, but otherwise not the other things he was looking for. So this is a, for, for Francis, for Francis, this is a grand slam. This is about as good as it's going to get. This is about as good as I've ever seen it get. You're just not going to get that much money, that much say, that much flexibility all in the same deal in MMA. It's extremely unheard of. They've given him something very, very, very rare, if by itself almost anomalous to begin with. In the history of MMA, I think you probably Connor probably makes more. I'm sure he makes more on the upside. But the question is, does he have the same kind of flexibility and whatnot? Again, even Connor's a special case. But you guys know what I mean. Does John Jones have a contract with this kind of flexibility? He does not. Even Connor doesn't have this kind of flexibility, right? So, so um, for Francis, I think this is clearly a home run. But I've got definitely some questions that that deserve to be asked. I think in the aftermath of something like this, people like me who are like, wait a second, let's see what the deal looks like before we can even really make some comments about it. Here we now have some information so we can, but we're not obligated to give nothing but positive press. I think there is a lot of positive press here that should be noted, um, but not all of it. I want to say something first, though, before I get to some of the things that give me some pause. We should have a little bit of a conversation about the PFL. Boy, they're going for it. They're going for it. Um, I have been a skeptic. I've been a skeptic of any player outside of the UFC in the current space just by virtue of how dominant the market position is for UFC. And it should be clear, as good as this deal is for Francis, and it is good, um, it is by no means a guarantee of success for PFL. For Francis, it depends what he really wants and really gets out of it. That's harder to say, but there are plenty of ways this doesn't go well for PFL. They are risking it big time. I'll come back to that in a second. But... Of all the promotions out there right now, 
they're really going for it. And I combine this news they have today with one signing Francis. That's huge as a recruitment tool and an advertisement about what they can offer. Number two, everyone's making a big deal about Francis guaranteeing his opponents get $1 million or more, some kind of high guaranteed floor to get paid. A lot of people being like, wow, Francis is a good guy. He might be, but that's a recruitment tool. That's a recruitment tool. That's not just saying, hey, we're going to pay Francis a lot and then his opponents can go fuck off. It's we've got Francis, and if you fight him over here, you're probably going to make a lot more money than you would. I mean, you should really think about this. How many fighters in UFC history have ever gotten a uh, paid for a single bout $1 million or more? It's got to be an infinitesimally small amount. right? I mean, some have maybe accrued that over the course of two or three fights, but in one fight, who got a million-dollar check or more? It's not many people in the history of the sport. It's not many. Um, and I think there's probably a lot of heavyweight fighters who don't have much of a profile who might be looking at this and saying to themselves, yeah, I could make a lot more money over there than I would here. Um, and they might like their chances of even winning or whatever. But that's a recruitment tool is what that is. Now, that may not work either, but I just want to point out something. Combine this news with signing Francis, advertising that his opponents are going to get paid a million or more, or you know, around that, and then on top of it, this news that has kind of gone quietly away, but in my understanding is still relevant, PFL trying to buy Bellator. Folks, they are going for it. They are going for it. Here's the reality of the PFL situation. And again, like I remember when Nate Diaz was getting out, I was like, there's no way he signs with PFL. And I'm still skeptical of that, although depending on how things go with Jake Paul, because Jake Paul is signed to the PFL, perhaps it is possible that his fortunes change on the other side. Or the, uh, we, will, we will see. But I just didn't see them as a place because I knew they could get the money, but I didn't think they would ever roll out the red carpet for someone like this or or beyond that, that there would be a meaningful way to tip over the apple cart for his respective divisions, which I still think is largely the case in, uh, over there, but maybe less so true for heavyweight, we shall see. But they have turned out to be quite a good home, I think, for what Francis wants and what Francis is trying to do. And if they can buy Bellator, they are cooking with gas at that point. PFL, in the way in which they have constructed their business with this tournament system, everyone makes it out to be, oh, what's their calling card? It's the tournament system because it sure as hell isn't the smart cage. The smart cage didn't do this deal. I'd be, I, you know, if the smart cage did the deal, then, you know, we would have to have some questions asked. But, you know, I'm, I'm guessing it wasn't really involved in the deal, so I don't really know how smart it is. But what I want to say was, if they could sign Bellator or they could get access to their roster and then you could combine that with PFL and then you'd have sort of like this uh, more, not totally obviously, but a more Asian-based premier uh, outside the UFC promotion with one sort of competing against a more uh, different side of the world kind of concentration focus with PFL combining with Bellator's roster. I think that would be a dynamic competition outside of the UFC, which would create much more interesting and genuine alternatives for the marketplace. Now, these are a lot of ifs and none of them are guaranteed, but I just want to point out like the way to look at this, it seems to me is PFL doing the tournament thing and just going on ESPN Plus, that is a path to nowhere. They cannot stay in business doing it this way. If you want to stay in business, you have to have access to the pay-per-view side of the business and you have to have access to the more premier side of it. Francis, in theory, is at least one step in that, a pretty big one, but one step in that direction to get to that end of the marketplace that can actually generate long-term sustainable revenue. Now, as I have said before, I am skeptical that in a world where the PF, excuse me, where the UFC is 
in my judgment and the judgment of other economists, not all, but many, uh, a monopsony, uh, just another version of a monopoly instead of, you know, just one seller, one buyer. Um, and as long as that is the case, I think any promotion, even if PFL were to able to be able to acquire Bellator and then compete against one, even in that equation, I, I don't know exactly how much the rest of MMA can succeed. Obviously, certain versions of it can, but I mean, just outside the UFC, what, how big is that market and what does it have to look like to thrive? In a world where the UFC has control of almost 80% of the world's talent and makes 90% of every dollar earned in the industry, there's a broad question here about even if Francis is a, 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 does well for them on pay-per-view and even if he's able to recruit a couple of interesting heavyweights along the way to make for some fun fights, as long as the UFC has most of the talent under lock and key and they have changed their contracts again to keep guys under uh, longer terms, not as long as they once were, but certainly not as good as they had been up until 2017 or so, that is going to be difficult. Francis is a good, great, amazing signing for them, and he might be able to pull a couple of interesting guys onto the PFL's roster in service of, of a big paycheck that could make for fun and dynamic content. That's by no means guaranteed, but I just want to point out, Francis by himself can't solve the UFC's, uh, excuse me, PFL's problems. To really make a sustainable run going big in the way that they are, they have to recruit a fair number. Uh, I don't know exactly what that would be, but I'm going to guess bare minimum, you know, eight to 10 reliable, uh, maybe six to eight reliable figures who could draw on pay-per-view in, in a noticeable full way. Now, can Jake Paul do that? I think it depends on the audience. Jake Paul does bigger numbers than MMA fans realize, so that would be interesting to see if he can pull that crossover audience in. Francis, I guess we'll see, but they've got, you see what I'm saying? It's like Francis is a, is a noteworthy key gemstone addition, but the infinity gauntlet doesn't work unless you get all, all the stones, right? He's got the time stone and PFL has the time stone and they've got the, I don't know, whatever the, um, the other, the other, the other stones. I don't forget their names at this point, but you get what I'm saying. It only, it makes you powerful, but it doesn't really work what you want it to do unless you've got all of them together um they don't have that and there's really no guarantee that they're going to get that even with francis and in fact what could end up happening is they sign francis to this deal and they put out this advertisement but they for one reason or the other they can't get um someone to come over to that aisle the fights themselves are not that great or big or interesting and this all goes for naught like it actually just blows up right where it is and it, does, it doesn't lead to anything that is absolutely on the table as well because here's one thing you should expect you, you may not remember this but i distinctly remember when cowboy cerrone and tj dillashaw and i think kane velasquez and tim kennedy and george st pierre they all had that mma triple the, the mm triple a with bjorn rebney and after that it was sort of noted that even between fights um, i think tj and cerrone got new contracts in between and you saw the support for that kind of thing. I mean, it kind of blew up pretty quickly anyway, but the point I'm trying to make is the UFC, I think to make it worth their while, gave them a little bit more money, uh, and coincidentally, they didn't have any participation in this effort anymore. I bring this all up to say, it is possible that by virtue of what Francis is doing, if they do have guys who are close to being done with their deals or working, they may offer them more lucrative terms than they otherwise would have to keep them under lock and key. That is possible in which case this doesn't work for Francis either. Like, 
this is a great contract for Francis, but that it guarantees that it works. All they did today was they got a, a it's not all. They they signed an enormously important figure, but the rest of that is an advertisement for the future of what could be, not what will be. And it requires a certain amount of industry compliance that they can't manufacture or guarantee in order to reach that goal, a lot of which is going to be difficult to come by. I mean, I just think we should be realistic about that, right? So, um, but PFL, man, make no mistake, they are absolutely going big, hardcore. They are trying to be the unequivocal default destination for premier talent who don't end up in UFC. Um, no question about it. That's what they're looking to do. And then to take some of that talent away from UFC. That's They are going for it in the way that will either expedite their growth and their future or expedite their decline because they're having to raise substantial amounts of money to get to this point. You know, So that's another thing to sort of consider as well. Um, another thing I think it's worth considering is a part of the deal that I guess I just don't understand is they're saying that Francis is going to be on this board and a minority owner in PFL and then this, uh, or excuse me, this global advisory board, and then he's going to be a minority owner and then chairman of PFL Africa. It's like, okay, but if the deal is only for two fights and he wins both of them or even say loses them, but what my point being is, what happens when that deal is over? Now, I get the ownership, minority stake in PFL Africa. That doesn't change. But is he still going to be chairman of the PFL Africa if he is gone back over to UFC? Like him, I know we are sort of saying he would never return to UFC. Seems unlikely, but I wouldn't rule it out. It'd be foolish to do so. Or even if he goes to Bellator, or even if he goes to one or something. Does that, does that, what happens with that? Also, the the global uh, strategic board. What again? Like he's an active fighter on the on on the thing. If does that just go away if he's not on the raw? Ro- I'm guessing he just goes away if he's not on the roster anymore. Also, like what does that board really do? What kind of binding power does it have? I mean, I know it sounds nice for him to be on there. I'm not, I'm not declaring to you that it's not nice. I want to be clear. I'm only. I'm just genuinely asking the question. I don't know what its broad and actual contractual authority is in situations like this. That that remains to be seen. So it's kind of cool that they've integrated him in this way where like, hey, we're going to make you part of this equation. Um, but I don't really know what that means exactly in terms of when they say something. When they say jump, who says how high? Um, I don't really get I – don't, I don't know what the answer is to that. I guess we'll have to see in time. Also, you see from that from that video we played at the top of the instant reaction, like one thing that stands out about this deal, and you see this in boxing all the time, is... Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. They don't approach deals like, I'm the promotion, I'm going to sign a fighter. They say, hey, I'm a partner. I'm looking for another partner. Let's be partners together. So, for example, you'll often see that, like, for example, Canelo's mandatory that he just had with John Ryder in Guadalajara, Mexico. There, It's really, it's a matchroom kind of event, but they'll co-promote with Canelo Promotions. So he actually not only gets a check as a promoter, uh, but... It makes the it makes the fighter feel like a we're going to find a way to enhance your revenue, but also like we are on equal footing. Not I'm up here, you're down there. I think Francis was looking for a deal that just mimicked what we saw in boxing in terms of that a side relationship with promoters. So you know, Gervonta Davis has a relationship, um, uh, well, with Al Heyman, but you know, with all of the various parties in which he does fights with, and you saw with, with obviously Ryan Garcia, he was the A side. Any top A side gets treated like that, where they get a promotional company, they also get a check for that, and they get treated as we are equals, not not uh, you know you're just a plumber. I'm hiring to do work for me. And what Francis wanted was the respect that comes with that. I think this deal, at least in theory, seems to satisfy a lot of those um, conditions. I will say the thing that gives me the most pause about this deal, and there are many wonderful things about it, but the thing that concerns me most, I guess, will be twofold. One. He doesn't fight in MMA until 2024. I got to say, that feels not optimal. Not optimal. Um, if he ends up getting a boxing fight this year, that is huge. I mean, that by itself would make leaving the UFC worthwhile. To say nothing of getting a boxing fight and then walking into this MMA deal, I mean, you hit the lottery, you hit the jackpot. He might do that. All I can say is on the boxing side, there's not a lot of discussion about this. Like the heavyweights were all trying to make interesting fights. So there was a potential between Fury and Usyk fell apart. And then there was, you know, you heard, you've seen Joshua say he's going to fight Wilder in December. We haven't heard anything about that more than that. And there was a time where Wilder was going to fight Ruiz. That kind of fell apart. And so there's really some discussion now about the Saudi Arabian thing that they could make happen. But we don't really like that. That seems to me very pie in the sky. And and even if that does happen, it doesn't include Francis. Like none of those iterations include him. So I don't really know what to make of Francis's fortunes in terms of securing a boxing fight in 2023. When he first was kind of getting out of the UFC and then linking up with Fury, it seemed much more possible. There have been discussions I know about him potentially fighting Wilder. It's not to say I want to be clear about this. I'm not saying that there's not interest in those, not merely from the fans, but from the actual people who pull the levers of the sport of boxing. There is. What I'm saying to you is I don't know if it happens this year. It might. It just appears at the moment very unclear. And with that, it could work out really well for him in 2023 on the boxing side. It could work out really poorly for him 
on the boxing side. Meanwhile, delaying things till 2024. So obviously he that would be what a two-year absence. Let's see when he would come back. So let's look up his just to be clear about the dates here. So he's he'll turn 37 in September. Yeah, it would be 37. So that's not too old. That's not too old. His last fight against Cyril Ghosn was in January of 2022. So, yeah, we're all, I mean, you know, you're going to be gone two and a half years potentially. That seems unwise to me. Now, again, if Francis is baking it into his contract that he wants the space to get the fight in 2023, what he might be saying is, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get it either, but that's too big an opportunity to pass up by focusing on MMA. Like, there's probably a lot of reasons why he wanted to include it as a carve-out. All I'm saying is a two-and-a-half-year MMA absence, assuming he doesn't get the boxing fire or combat sports absence. I won't call that a death sentence. I don't think that's true. But that comes with a lot of challenges about getting the fan base enthusiastic about your return. Um, in certain ways, absence makes the heart grow fonder. But in this case, what he's trying to do is show proof of concept. Like, I can leave the UFC and I can still do these things. And I think... Part of doing that and making this departure is not acting hastily, but at striking while the iron is hot. So I think if he gets the boxing fight, it'll probably be okay in the end. If he doesn't, and then he risks being gone more than two years, uh, two years of, by the way, you know, 35 is not exactly your prime, but 35 to 37 as a heavyweight, those are still good years for you. Giving them up by sitting on the sidelines, I, you know, we, we, should, we just have to call balls and strikes. That's a huge risk. That's a huge risk. So I don't know what to say about that beyond it. I mean, I really think he is undertaking a very, very significant risk doing that. Were it me, and again, I don't know. I'm not privy to all the details that he has. I'm sure he has talked with Tyson Fury's people. I'm sure he has talked with AJ's people. I'm sh I know for a fact he's talked with like Deontay Wilder's people. Um, so maybe he's got information that makes him more comfortable making this decision. We shall see. We shall see on that. The other thing is, and it's worth having this conversation as well, which is, could Francis end up bankrupting PFL? There's going to be a lot of people telling you that. I'm not as convinced by that. I'm not as convinced by that. Here's what I mean. It's not that I'm arguing that Francis's deal is not insanely expensive to them. I'm sure that it is. Like is. I'm sure that that deal is an absolute backbreaker for them. However... Uh, and it's not, I'm also not arguing that they have to sign Francis, right? It's like, it's, if you don't sign Francis, it can't be done. That's not my point. But my, what I would argue is the way in which they've been signing talent and doing these shows on regular television, this is, this is not a sustainable path. I know they've been on TV for some time now, but that doesn't work. It will eventually, it doesn't return the amount of money long-term that you would in theory need to make that operation successful. So they can buy time with the amount of revenue that they have generated. And we should also know, dude, PFL can raise a lot of money. They To even be in the conversation to buy Bellator, you know, I doubt that's a billion dollars, but that's probably, what, between $500 million and, and and up? I mean, you're buying significant assets at that point, right? Uh, it's a lot of money. Um, maybe that's a little high. Nevertheless, it would require... How about this? Let me let me back up a step. It would require hundreds of millions of dollars to be able to make a transaction like that, probably, right? In conjunction with getting Francis. We're just talking about a substantial amount of money. They can raise that kind of money. Um, and so while it is true, I think that 
Francis's deal is expensive for them in all kinds of ways and by no means a guarantee because of the way contracts are structured elsewhere that they're going to be able to recruit enough players to make all of this valuable. The truth is, it's what is the alternative? Yes, they could not sign Francis. They've got Cedric Dumbe coming in. They could sign in other ways. But again, like you, you have to have access to the end of the spectrum that someone like Francis occupies in order to make what they're doing in terms of the amount that they've generated and what their vision is. You have to have that on the other side, right? You have to be able to have access to that corner of the market. So it's this real, very difficult, rock and a hard place situation where if you don't sign guys like that, you don't have to sign every one of them, but if you don't sign guys like that, you won't get there. But even if you do, there's absolutely no guarantee that you will. So you might see some folks saying this deal could cost PFL and it might be bad for them. Again, I'm not suggesting to them it's not uh, financially burdensome, but they are in a really weird predicament where they either have to push their chips to the middle or they can just slowly do what they're doing until it just runs out of money and never really get to any other stage. It, 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 there's no version of growth, what, what they do that doesn't happen without signing that higher end. That's it. It has to happen. Um, so for me, great contract for Francis. For me, um, a bold one for PFL, a huge chips in the middle kind of moment for PFL, it seems like to me, especially with that Bellator news. Um, I'm happy for Francis. He's going to get a lot. I think he will be able to get a couple of interesting fights. But once again, there's just a lot of, and, and again, with PFL Africa, that could be huge depending on how that works. Um, there's a lot of stuff here built in that gives Francis not just flexibility, but investment in things he cares about, giving back to places that he came from, creating opportunities for others, not just hit the PFL Africa, but his opponent. Again, it's a recruitment tool, but um, you know, sharing wealth in that way or forcing promotions to share wealth more favorably. Um, it's an interesting moment, and I wonder what it might mean for future free agency if we ever see something like this again or soon. Tons and tons of interesting questions related to that. I've got more, I'm sure. But uh, I think it's a great deal for Francis. I uh, I do. I think Francis got what he wanted. I think the people telling you he was fumbling the bag. So can we, okay, let me end on that. These Jamokes telling you that he was fumbling the bag, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're just saying shit. They're just saying shit. Like, if you want to say, well, I don't know if this kind of investment is worth it for PFL for X or Y reasons, that's, I think that's not unreasonable. Or, you know, they can invest all this money and it goes nowhere and that, that deal blew up in their face. That's not necessarily unreasonable. But that Francis was fumbling the bag. Show me the fucking evidence of that. They're just saying words. They're not in, or he should go back to UFC. They're just saying words. They're not saying, they're saying something just based off of a worldview that is doesn't match reality. It doesn't match reality at all. He didn't fumble a thing. Francis, it seems to me, constructed perhaps the most interesting and um, potentially most... F he gained concessions as an A-side in MMA that makes his contract look like a really good boxing contract. Just a level of impossible that he was able to put together. Um, you just don't see contracts like this. This is, this is a. I mean, the PFL they met his demands. Like Francis did this one very well, <laughs> and to do that with no manager, extremely impressive. Extremely impressive. 
So the good side to me, Francis is going to get paid. His opponents are going to get paid. He has a flexible deal. He has a fighter-friendly deal in the most, in like truly historic ways. He got things that allow him to take care of himself, people behind him, people where he came from, people he is doing business with. Um, at the same time, we should be very clear about it, not any of that guarantees success for PFL. Not any of that. They still have a lot of work cut out for themselves. So chips in the middle moment, we will see what the uh, turn card on the river ends up being. I think that's it for me, folks. Got you about 43 minutes of instant reaction. I know he's going to speak later today. Let me set up tomorrow's show on Morning Combat. So we'll get some reactions from the extremely lazy Brian Campbell. But he'll have a good take for you guys for tomorrow. On top of that, joining us at the top of the show tomorrow, Eric Nixick. Because of this two-and-a-half-year absence, I really want to know what his MMA coach is going to do to keep this guy ready in all that time and how he feels about all this potential time off so nixick joins us 11 a.m at the top of the show tomorrow on mk further reaction to this we'll have clips from uh francis's interview on mma hour you guys can check that out at 1 p.m but that's it for me so thank you guys so much for watching i'll talk to you and eric nixick and bc and everyone else tomorrow 11 a.m in the east 11 a.m in the east this has been our francis and signs with pfl instant reaction i'll talk to you gents and ladies tomorrow Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? It is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.